0: Welcome to the Sharon Salzberg Meta Hour. This podcast is a reflection of our connected lives and is dependent on the generosity of you, our listener. So please go to mindpodnetwork.com/sharon and either use the donate button or bookmark the Amazon portal through which we will receive a percentage of whatever you purchase. From Amazon, or sign up for a free trial with Audible.com. We thank you for your support in allowing Sharon to continue to share her exquisite heart wisdom. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sharon Salzberg and her Meta Hour. I'm here with Sharon. This is like a field recording, Sharon. Okay. In other words, <laughs> we go we go around the world. Well, that's what I'd love to do. We actually, go around the world and just talk to different people. Wouldn't that be fun? Sure.
2: Barcelona next November.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're here and um, in New York, and uh, so happens that I have a a very good friend, and he's in New York. And I said uh, his name is Jared Levy. Hi, Jared. Hi there. And I said, why don't you come along with me? Because uh, we're going to do, I'm going to do a podcast with Sharon. And we have been, uh, and every as everybody knows out there, this is part of the MindPod Network. And with <coughs> our uh, wonderful family uh, that's been called low-hanging fruit friends, which is, yes, we got a, somebody on Mind Rolling. we got somebody saying to us, you know, you do all this stuff with all of your buddies from the old days. So it's kind of low-hanging fruit, isn't it? <laughs> and we go, yeah, but what low-hanging fruit? It's pretty, pretty great. So Sharon, of course, and Krishna Das and Ram Das and uh, Jack Cornfield, who is uh, very close to Sharon. And um, so it's a wonderful network, and, and uh, I, I must ra- remind everybody to please do the way it's listener-supported. And the way that we can uh, continue this and keep doing the kinds of things that we're doing is for you to go up on to, in this case, go to uh, Sharon's uh, page on uh, mindpodnetwork.com. And you either can support through the Amazon portal. Do you know this, Sharon? No. People go and they take the Amazon link mm-hmm. that's on all of the different podcasters' page or even just MindPod itself And they can bookmark that link. And whenever they go in and everybody buys something from Amazon almost every week, I would say, Amazon sells everything. And uh, so we, meaning you and the MindPod network, get a little tiny percentage. But if enough people do it, it's a way that we can get supported. So we encourage you to do that or just make a donation. Soon we're... We're going to have T-shirts. You we? are? Yeah. Say
2: MindPod or MindRolling? It's
0: going to gonna have MindPod, MindRolling, and we're going to... I forget which one we're doing. We're doing a couple that'll feature your book covers. That I'm sure somebody's talking to your peeps about that, by the way. But we're going to have these wonderful T-shirts, yeah, from everybody.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's a whole
0: <laughs> new thing that we're thinking of. So uh, other ways for you to support us. So we thank you for that support. So Jared represents and and part of our whole mission here and why everybody we originally got everybody interested was because we really wanted to make available these decades of experience of these teachers to uh, a new generation uh, the new generation which is loosely called millennials and Jared here
3: represents he's a you could be the I'm on the upper edge of that millennial crust but yeah I'm still in there you're in there (laughs) what's the upper edge I think it's supposed to go to about 33, 34 right now, yeah. 33. Yeah, so he's, you're right on the cusp.
0: And so I said, why don't you come along and see what sh- uh, you can uh, talk to Sharon about and, and she can give a little bit of feedback that would be useful not just for you but for a whole generation that you can represent at this moment. So go ahead, ask something. <laughs> talk
3: to her. Ask something, Okay. Um well it's interesting actually so uh, we just put on this conference about purpose this this past weekend um and uh some of the academics and researchers were there that were there were we're talking about millennials being um the the uh, a, a generation that is um they think is going to move us towards more purpose move towards they're going to push businesses to be better to have more impact <clears throat> And I was wondering, you know, with your, uh, you know, obviously practices growing and I hear from a lot of my mm-hmm. friends, Oh, Sharon Salzberg, I'm getting into meditation or they they're taking the challenge, you know, kind of how, what you would tell that generation as they're starting to embark on their journey, you know, around purpose and mindfulness and things like that.
2: Well, you know, I kind of hear the same thing, I think about, uh, millennials and, and, uh, I always think back to well, you know, I don't know how old Raghu was when he went to India. I'm sure not in his dotage. You know, I was 18 when I went to India. How old and were you?
0: You were a little guy. I was uh, six years older than you
2: when yeah. I went
0: to India. 24.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we we were pretty young, and and uh, I I think a lot about that time and this time, just pondering, you know, not with any answers, but but really pondering because. I think, you know, the new perspectives and that uh, not just the sense of meaning, but methods to actualize it, you know, so it wasn't just like a dream or, or something idealistic so that you felt every day your life was in harmony with that uh, aspiration or that determination. Um, we had to go all the way to India, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't there were no podcasts, you know, or like. You know, it just wasn't there. And so by the time you got there, you had done a lot of work. You needed powerful intentionality and uh, willingness to break free and, you know, just have this outrageous adventure. And I think we pretty well, not maybe everybody, but most people went overland, you know, through Afghanistan, you know, countries like that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of outrageous. When I went to India, I'd never even been to California You know, so, uh, you know, so I think about people now with maybe some of that same fire for understanding and, and not theoretical understanding, but making it real in Mm -hmm. in their lives. And, and there's so much more around and and what does that imply, you know, that people aren't going to have to
3: go to India. Um, They don't have to go anywhere. They can just turn on their computer. Is there something lost in that loss of a journey? You know, I mean, there's uh, I think it was you, Pan, said, you know, always remember the pleasure in the journey. And sometimes it's not just about the destination, but the journey as well. So, I mean, the difference in that the the web has just shrunk our world. You know, yeah. it's right at our fingertips. Um, maybe uh, if you could talk a little bit about about that.
2: Yeah, well, I, I like I said, I don't have any answers, but this is yeah. something I think about really a lot. Um, yeah. Probably something is lost. And then uh so how is that balanced out you know by by what's gained you know maybe people uh, don't have to practice like when I went to India it was very much driven by my own personal pain you know so I could have recited forever you know I'm practicing for the sake of all beings but it totally wasn't true you know I really Mm. didn't care about anybody else uh, because I couldn't afford to I mean it just wasn't possible it wasn't practical until a certain point, you know, when when I had gone through some changes. But uh, maybe now people can have that as a, a true motivation. We have a different sense of community and um, different sense of uh, self and other because the world is so connected in mm-hmm. different ways. And so maybe people can, I think something is lost by not having that journey, but maybe something is gained by a different sense of who we are.
3: Mm-hmm yeah that's really nice i it was it was interesting actually we also um we were talking about where this per you know this movement of meaning and and purpose in people's lives and really millennials uh it being very important to them on mm-hmm. on different levels whether it's spiritual mm-hmm. or work based mm-hmm. or or whatever and um you know are we going to be moving into uh, a, a similar time that's kind of what's been going on with mindfulness, which is like purpose, you know, purpose brought to you by right. you know, <laughs> PG&E or Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, Nick like, Mindfulness,
2: they call it. Yeah, <laughs> right,
3: exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I just love to hear your thoughts on, you know, because I see the benefits to that as well, right? There's there's money flowing into that movement and, and pushing it, but does it get commercialized and lose some of its magic in some capacity?
2: Uh, Well, speaking about mindfulness, you know, I think, and just making that analogy, I think inevitably, yes, you know, but uh, it's a big world and, and within it, one does what one does, you know, and, and you have your own sense of purpose and uh, boundaries or, or intentionality and, and you just do what you do, um, despite what. I mean, I, you know, I am from the era when if I use the word mindfulness, nobody casually at a party, nobody would know what I was talking about. And um, I have a friend who's the the mindfulness, the meditation coach for the Knicks, which is, I guess, a harsh thing to say. And I guess they haven't been doing that well. So <laughs> I keep adding, he just got there, oh. you know. Um really and before that he was working with uh the la lakers and before that with the chicago bulls so and phil jackson all brings phil. Him, yeah, yeah phil jackson just brings him wherever okay. he goes so apparently which is great so i said to him do you use the word mindfulness and he said now i can mm. you know i didn't used to be able to to use that at all uh and i said what did you used to say because obviously he was talking about the same thing you know and he said i used to talk about like getting above or getting below like getting perspective on things not being so stuck not being so embroiled you know so it's a different world mm-hmm. um so you know for me to see you know like i was signing books uh, somewhere not too long ago at the end of some program and one person came up to me to have a book signed. And she said, uh, I'm a mindfulness coach. So I have no idea what that means, actually. But I said, that's great. And then the next person said, I'm starting a second career in mindfulness. <laughs> and I said, Oh, that's great. And then the third person said, I'm getting a degree in mindfulness. Well, and I thought, it's just a different world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, you know, people for decades have been asking me what I think about that. And, and the truth is, history is happening, regardless of what I think about it. It's just, it's true. It's happening. And I think it's terrific, you know, uh, mostly. And the parts that are not, I don't obsess over, you know. It's just, it's part of what's happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like the people, stockbrokers that are using mindfulness so they can get more wins on a day-to-day basis. That stuff's just endemic to, to the whole process of of more awareness being around that and people being able to use it. And it's just like Mm -hmm. yoga, people go to yoga and uh, they want to get physically more active Mm -hmm. and, you know, get their uh, bodies together and then, someone puts on a chant record by a guy named krishna das and the next thing you know oh my god what's that and they're at one of the you know and their whole lives change mm-hmm. so there's no it, there's no accounting for it and the people that are going to be stuck in using it for completely the wrong reasons mindfulness that was a great <laughs> article we did a podcast about that by the way that was really great um that's just the nature of stuff you know it's just going to be that way as a result of who we are in this society and this culture. But yeah, I think it's all positive. It's like the net. I mean, there's things that are just distract the shit out of people and polarize them away from human contact. On the other hand, boy, look at the things that it can bring together people ability to meet on the net and share Mm -hmm. information that is just uh, incredible you know i think i'd love to go back to the focus thing this uh, that we've been talking about that you've been part of this uh, conference that you did a couple of days ago and and just i ask you a little bit about focus in our lives once we realize there is a path and we're entering onto that path and we're finding out all sorts of different methodologies and so on and so forth. And, you know, you talk a lot about this conference was a lot about focus, which can be used in business, focus and purpose, I'm sorry, that can be used in um, social action and so on. I think focus is really part of purpose, too, for for sure. But purpose is what what I meant. Can you talk about purpose related to inner journey? Mm Mm-hmm. And what we need there and how it fits in with the Buddhist cosmology related to, we talked a little bit, I think it relates to one of the Eight, eight Noble Paths,
2: certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the concept of intention is mm. extremely important in Buddhism, as is the concept of aspiration, although that isn't talked about so much. Um, intention is a really vital part of everything we do and from the point of view of the Buddhist psychology it's where the energy really is behind an action it's like if I reached over and gave you this very interesting looking case for is it for fun? what is it?
0: it's for our little field recorder
2: okay so if I reached over and I I gave you this case as a gift all anybody sees is my hand moving down picking up an object and moving it forward but the question is why? you know what's in my heart? like Maybe I'm giving it to you because I like you and I want you to have it. Or maybe I'm giving it to you because I don't like you and I figure you'll never be able to open that up. You know, like same gesture, same smile, mm-hmm. but it's coming from a totally different place. Or maybe I just mm-hmm. gave a big lecture on generosity and I want everyone to think I'm a generous person or whatever. So the karma, the karmic seed, uh, Buddhist teaching would say is not in my arm, it's in the mind state that is impelling my arm to pick something up mm-hmm. and move it forward. So the karma, the karmic seed is planted with the intention. That's different than the West where we tend to be a little disdainful, like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. so what, <laughs> what do you mean you had a good intention? You totally yeah. screwed up. You know, it's a very different way of seeing it. So you're always kind of looking. Tibetan Buddhism, they call it spy consciousness. You just have a little part of your mind. spy consciousness consciousness, yeah just a little part of your mind looking where am i coming from and Mm -hmm. when i wrote um real happiness at work i i was trying to make it very concrete so i said before you go into a meeting or you have a big phone call ask yourself what do i want to see really come out of this you know do i want to be right or do i want a resolution do i want to be helpful? Do I want to destroy them? Whatever it is, because that'll, it's just one way of trying to tune into our intention. And and that would be very important, you know, so when you think, when you talk about social action or trying to change the world, the intention is as important, maybe more important than even the action, mm. you know, from the point of view of the, the Buddhist psychology. So that's part of purpose. And that's where you find integrity, actually is in looking back at your intention and how skillfully you did something. I mean, obviously, I don't want to have a good motive in giving you this plastic case and throw it at you, you know, and knock you in the head. So we have skillfulness of action and and so on. But um, that's where we look for integrity of of what we've done. And aspiration is a somewhat different thing, although it's it's connected in that... um, people think sometimes it's wrong to want anything on a spiritual path. And I think that that's unrealistic because why bother, you know, if you didn't think you were going to get something, it's easier not to, you know, mm. not to bother finding the time and actually doing the thing. But um, we don't want that image of, of what we think is possible for us to be haunting us. Like, is it there yet? You know, how close am I? And, and so there's a lot of emphasis on just let go of that thought, that way of thinking. But uh, we do have an aspiration. We should have a big aspiration, you know, instead. And that's the whole true for life, too. Instead of thinking, um, I'm not capable of much or I'm going to do this, uh, you know, to get a little bit of help. But, I, you know, I can't really be free or. Mm. Or have an integrated life, or uh, have intense compassion for myself and for others. It's just like, nah, you know, like not me. Um, we need a big aspiration, and and some conviction that we can we can make that real.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's great. That relationship with purpose is, I think, highly important. And what I was thinking was that when we were talking about then carrying that purpose, once you have that sort of straightened out, your inner mm-hmm. purpose, and you've got a connection with it, then and only then can you actually try and activate that purpose in in the realms of worldly stuff, be it even social Absolutely. action and so on and so
3: forth. Well, yeah, that's the the concept of the inner social action before right. outer social right. action. We talk about it all the time.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of motivation, just talking about, um, there's a, a place where you've got to have some awareness around that motivation, and you just mm-hmm. discussed that. And we talk about it in terms of the practices, a little bit different, the witness, so it's mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. really
0: the same stuff, just a different word. And uh, maybe it'd be good to talk about how you, because uh, it seems to me the problem there is is self-consciousness witness where you become it you become too uh, identified with the small ego self rather than witness coming from a heart-centered mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that?
2: Uh, maybe that's why Tibetan Buddhists call it spy consciousness, yeah, exactly. you know, because uh-huh. it's yeah, not such a heavy... Yeah thing Uh, it's just like a little looking Uh, well then I I think it needs some real clarification about what witnessing means it's like really trying to clarify what mindfulness means it doesn't mean seeing something is cooking inside you and condemning it you know or hating it or fearing it or utterly believing it you know this and this is I think a bigger problem with mindfulness as it's taught than. Uh, where it's being taught, you know. Um, uh, mindfulness doesn't just mean you know what's going on, like you're hearing a sound or you're feeling the warmth of a coffee cup or something like that. Sorry, <laughs> just knocked the table. Uh, but um, it means knowing in a certain way so that you're not judging and you're not condemning and you're not buying into something. Uh, you really are witnessing and it's also not cold. You know, it's not like, contemptuous or, or um, removed from the experience. And that's why some people will say, uh, they'll talk about caring mindfulness or just trying to introduce the notion that it's not cold. Mm. Mm. And and that's important. Um, kind of a corollary to that is that of the many benefits that mindfulness is said to bring the one that's really being emphasized comes, uh, just from presence, which is great. You know, it's like if you drink your cup of coffee while you're checking your email, while you're on a conference call, while you have the TV on mute and you're reading the crawl, you don't tend to really like the coffee all that much. You know, it's just not that fulfilling an experience and we so rarely look at the degree of our awareness as playing any role at all in our lack of fulfillment we usually blame the coffee right it's like i need to buy one of those other kinds of coffee makers or it's the wrong (laughs) ground or whatever maybe i have to go dark roast or um Mm. you know so being present just drinking the cup of coffee every now and then is is a, a big level jump in our degree of fulfillment. And that's mostly how mindfulness is talked about. And I do think that's great. But classically, the main purpose of mindfulness is insight. It's understanding. It's not just having a better cup of coffee. You know, it's really understanding much more deeply things like change and impermanence and mm. where happiness really is. You know, maybe it's not in holding on. Maybe it's not in revenge. Maybe it's not in separation. Let me take a look, you know, understanding um, how interconnected we all are, which we will see if we pay attention mm. with mindfulness. And that's, you know, still not as popularized as the other. Mm. You know, so you kind of have to, I think, search out that understanding a little bit.
0: I love the spy consciousness thing, yeah. though. I never heard that. Yeah. And, uh
2: I imagine like a little periscope. Thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. It's okay, don't get yourself too far. And that's what I meant by the witness. Don't get too get identified in, from the wrong place mm-hmm. and then where you have judgment and everything else going on and good and bad and all the yeah. polarities and so on. So just a little bit the little periscope comes up. Just take it a look. Yeah, okay. Not, nothing big. Yeah. Okay, there you are. Yeah you know that kind of thing. That's great. I love that. I have to admit something here, because it's come up as you were talking about multitasking and how we really get unmindful in this culture. And after the decades of, of work that uh, I supposedly have been doing since meeting Neemkar Baba all those years ago, last week, okay, my puppy decided to take off.
2: Do you have a new puppy?
0: Well, this is a year and a half. You haven't seen her yet, yeah.
2: Really? Yeah, you have a new yeah, one near to Yeah, new
0: that the wife decided she would save, rescue from okay. some horror. Uh, and uh, so it didn't, she didn't come back in the timing that I thought she should. She always goes out. Anyway, I decided it was very bad, sleeting, God knows what, mucky weather. So I had to drive around. To, to, she goes to this horse farm next to us. And I had to drive around, go up a winding road, right, a dirt road, which was muddy. And she wasn't there. So I decided instead of going to the top somehow, I didn't want them to know I was on their road. I don't know what crap I had in my head. I be- started to back down, turning around, you know, how you look out your rear window as you're mm-hmm. going down. And I'm coming down. and It was windy. Suddenly, I get a phone call. Oh. And I took it.
2: Oh. It's from
0: my, our good friend Ramesh. Mm. I had some business with him. And I took it. And I'm talking to him, driving down, the
2: <laughs> mud,
0: OK? And I, I slid in some mud. I went too close to the edge. I said, Ramesh, I don't think I can talk to you anymore. I <laughs> up and went off into a rut. I get out of the car. I have one other dog with me. I get out of the car, and it's overhanging a cliff, OK? It wasn't only about maybe 15 feet it was going to go into a, a little a stream. And uh, and it was only being held up by some branches. Okay, I could barely get out of the car, and I, I can't tell you the recrimination that I've had about. You could actually took that call and decided you were going to. Mul- I mean, I'm a big multitasker, and I'm you know I, uh, spy consciousness. I need some spy consciousness because basically the witness there was all about you stupid mother. <laughs>
2: Well,
0: $3,000 later, when they had to haul me out.
2: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> the tree just crushed the front, the side of the car. Okay. Fortunately, I have good insurance. Hey. Go Allstate. What they say on TV is <laughs> true.
2: They
3: take care of you.
2: This is an maybe ad. Could,
3: yes, this, it's uh, an ad uh, for Allstate. Is brought to you by Allstate. Yes.
0: And maybe, we, we, maybe there'll be a sponsor. I want to see. We'll puppy be a new pictures. sponsor for you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: i want to see pictures uh, yeah. i had a great moment of mindfulness staying in your house where um i was uh like zoning out petting you had at the time you had like four dogs or something like that three or four dogs yeah and i was just like absolutely petting a dog head and then i looked down <laughs> it was a totally new dog <laughs> yeah. i just said like who are you and it was like the neighbor's dog yeah. just like yeah oh that's so right. you really yeah. have like so six dogs yeah that's the, the neighbor's
0: one. dog comes over too yeah the big one yeah so, yeah, spy
3: consciousness i just I'm loving that concept mm-hmm. well it's it's interesting when I think my first introduction to that i mean I came up without any kind of mindfulness um uh you know, uh, I wasn't really curious about meditation, I was a jock, mm-hmm. you know, like uh everything was playing soccer, lacrosse, that kind of thing. And someone handed me uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior at one Mm -hmm. point, you know, and that was kind of my entrance to what I think you're talking about spy consciousness. But for me, it was, you know, um, uh, learning about just uh, like you said, being in the moment and, and enjoying taking that bite of your food and chewing it 30 times and really being there with it and enjoying that. And like and I started doing that and you really start to, you know, kind of suck out the nectar the essence of life when you you know do that everything becomes this like ecstatic experience Mm -hmm. i mean you could be crossing the street you can just look at somebody and and have a cup of coffee and i mean you know you have those moments where you think about that in a big way and maybe and and maybe that's what you're talking about or at least that's how i'm hearing it is those are moments of of spy consciousness Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. you have that awareness and that intention and then of course your crazy life comes in you get pulled away you know and and then you you know, come back in um it actually reminds me of something that you said uh to help megan in the meditation at one point, I was watching you speak at at the retreat out in Maui, and you were talking about how long you've been meditating for, and you know people get frustrated with themselves because they're sitting there they're mm-hmm. you know entering the um the the darkness or whatever you know it is and And then they're off on some tangent and they judge themselves and they're like, Oh my gosh. And they bring themselves back. And then, you know, I'll never do that again. And then five seconds later, you're off on some other tangent. I remember you talking about that. And it's just, I mean, that's, that's life, right? That's just, but it's it's widening those gaps, I guess, when you come back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's coming back more gracefully with a better sense of humor and more love for yourself. And I was just teaching last night in Brooklyn and, uh, Somebody sitting like in the back of the room asked me some question and I said, oh, you know, I remember teaching in this very room and somebody sitting right where you're sitting now uh, objected to something I was saying. And because what I was saying was that uh, in meditation practice, say your practice is something like feeling your breath, you know, being aware of the, the sensations of your breath. For most people, it's not going to be 800 breaths before your mind wanders. It's going to be like one you know, or two, and then you're somewhere else. And then comes the magic moment when you realize, oh, it's been some time since I last felt a breath. So what happens next is actually considered the really significant thing in practice, where we let go gently, and with some kindness toward ourselves, we start over. And then maybe 10 seconds later, you have to let go and begin again, and let go and begin again, and I... What I had said um, the first night that I was talking about it there uh, was that's like a life skill. You know, even if you never get to 700 breaths, doesn't matter because what you're really practicing is the ability to let go more gracefully and to start over with like a better energy, you know, and not so much self-contempt and and so on. And I said, and then we bring that right into work. We bring that right into life. Maybe you make a mistake and you have to start over because... I think everything in life, you know, now that I'm not 18 anymore, I would say every, nothing in life is a straight shot. You know, you're always starting over. It's like you fall down and you have to get up or let someone help you up or you make a mistake, you have to kind of recalibrate and uh, you lose sight of your aspiration, you have to begin again. I said everything is like, it's almost like the rhythm of life. And so that's an important skill. So a couple of years ago, or last year, I guess, because it was after Real Happiness at Work came out, I said that, and this guy sitting in this room said, I don't, I don't believe that. Mm. You know, he said, I think that's just laziness. Like, if I make a mistake and I forgive myself, that's just an excuse to be able to say, eh, so what, I'll make another mistake in two minutes. Doesn't matter. I'll forgive myself again. It's mm. just laziness. You know, the only way to really get something done is kind of... And I said, I don't think so, actually, because if you do the thought experiment and put yourself in the place where you kind of blow it in some fashion, and you spend the next 15 months just, like, on yourself about it, it's exhausting. You don't have the energy or the clarity to kind of make amends or pick up or do something differently. Um, It's actually not helpful. It's not how we get something done. So it was just very funny because this woman was sitting in exactly the same space in the same room, (laughs) you know, so... (laughs) It was eerie, actually.
0: Kindness—that's uh, an important word because I think that's probably one of the most difficult things that we uh, have, in, uh, mm-hmm. that we all deal with, is being kind to ourselves. It's why is that so difficult, and you know, what what are we talking about? When I mean His Holiness the Dalai Lama, kindness is my only religion. He mm-hmm. says things like that, and we are so unkind to ourselves mm-hmm. and it just uh, it, it plays out to our whole uh, our lives in a way that is so multifaceted and 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 basically destructive really you're talking about that kindness
2: well I've often thought in this culture kindness um, can be presented as a kind of secondary virtue it's like if you can't be brilliant you can't be courageous you can't be wonderful it's like okay be kind you know it's nice it's good it's not great but it's good but i think in truth of course it is great it has greatness in it and we don't look back at the people who've been kind to us and think oh poor fool you know like they were so weak you know Mm -hmm. we we're we're quite grateful actually and it feels like a power to be kind and um it's said in the buddha's teaching that the best kind of generosity comes from a sense of inner abundance. You know, we might, going back to motivation, we might give somebody a gift because we feel obliged or because everyone's watching or because we've taken a vow, you know, but uh, the best kind of generosity comes from a sense of inner abundance. So you don't feel like you're going to be depleted or you've Mm. lost something or, you know, you're deprived. And we know that people's generosity is not determined by the objective extent of how much they have you know because you could have a whole huge amount but not at all have the internal feeling you have enough and it's very very hard to give so kindness is like the same way It, it it implies a kind of inner sufficiency or abundance when it's really done the best way you know it's not like at a remove or with some kind of um condescension or something like that it's really just it's something flowing out because we have enough within.
0: Mm. Well that's a big statement we have enough. Okay. Yeah. That you know that's a lot of our problems out there is that we're not enough. We don't have enough and uh and for me it goes back to uh, what you talk about all the time practice. Mm -hmm. that therein lies practice makes perfect so that we can connect inside ourselves where we can find that abundance and generosity and Mm -hmm. so
2: on practice practice practice
3: yeah yeah no it's it's really it's beautiful i mean there there's just nothing that feels better really (laughs) than kindness and gratitude you know so um it's abundant and it's, it does come from within. It's a, it's a beautiful thing because, you know, we uh, in this country, you're kind of sold this from a young age pursuit of happiness, you know, and um, that, that word pursuit is, it really puts you on this constant uh, search outwards, you know, and um, looking for external sources Mm -hmm. of happiness, which um, creates quite a difficult journey you know and i and i think if you take that pursuit out it's just happiness it it uh, it comes back to kindness for me mhm mm-hmm. really does
2: yeah it's a tremendously happy state
3: it really is
2: yeah and it, it, you know it's got such a bad rap like it's depriving <laughs> yourself of something or
0: or what yeah. you've said about uh, love actually i remember you said uh, when we did that cultivating uh, loving awareness uh, retreat and you said, yeah, no, being loving isn't mean being weak.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh,
0: we all, have, yeah, there's that relationship. What did you say? M-
2: our next retreat, the one I'm coming to is called?
0: We don't know yet. Oh, we don't know you yet. No, I'm going to be talking to you. Well, since it's down the line, by the way, people out there, Sharon will be working at a retreat, teaching at a retreat with Krishna Das and Ram Das in December. The first Wednesday in December, I think. its I can't remember, like the second or third or something. Uh, But go to ramdas.org and you will see the particulars about that. So do come to that. No, I'm going to get with you to find out what it is that we... No, we did decide that because Sharon is working on a book about love. And and we just talked about that. And uh, we are working on a book that's actually going to come out uh, from the Love Server Member Foundation in uh, November, called Love Everyone, which is our journeys to India after meeting up with Ram Dass. What happened? How overland? A lot of that, there's some fun stories about that the overland journey that you mentioned before. And how we met Neem Karoli Baba and how our lives were changed and so on and so forth. So that I'm book so is coming, excited. coming yeah, out in November. So that's coming out in November. So Love Everyone. I th- I mean, that's my, I haven't talked to anybody about it except <laughs> you, but uh, that, I think that would be a lovely um, I think Ramdas would appreciate it. All right, so, love
2: everyone. Well, you know what? I also had. That's I got, our.
0: That's our instructions, everybody. Yeah. So Love everyone. From Maharaj, love
2: everyone. It's fabulous. Yeah. Love everyone. And tell the everyone. truth.
0: Love, serve, and remember. But also, there's that little thing. Tell the truth. Uh huh. That he said, and well, that's when Ramdas said, "The truth is, I can't love everyone."
2: <laughs> well, as a total aside, I want yeah. to ask you a question, or both of you, you know, or or make some comment. I got the chance not to read that whole manuscript, but to just look at a little bit of it when I was staying at our our friend's house in Montreal. And one of the things that struck me was that that whole journey, you know, for so many people, both the kind of wake-up call, like something else is possible and there's a different way to live, happened because of radio. Like you had a radio show, right? And you put Ramdas on it. And Mm. then people like, uh younger people growing up in Montreal heard that
0: mm-hmm.
2: and like Anasuya, see- you know, or other people and it was like, wow. You know, so I, I was starting to think about the radical medium of radio in those days and how it made something possible that maybe had been more held by other people.
0: Well here in So the- what about now? Well, New York then, it was WBAI, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Ram Dass was on there and answering questions and so on and so forth. It was <laughs> uh, an amazing medium, medium then that did mm. enlarge the audience in terms of, yes, many of those people ended up in India, from Montreal to New York to San Francisco to Chicago. Uh, and now it's the net. I mean, mm-hmm. what's happened since the ease at, uh, at which well for Ramdas in particular if we're talking about him the fact that he can no longer travel because of his stroke and is in Maui as you know and we mm-hmm. do these retreats there and then we we take these retreats and they have certain subjects matter and we we put little films together and we get those and those go out to the world uh, the fact what's happening on the net is the is the grace of the internet versus the polarization of people not being able to relate with each other because they're strictly on you know uh, on, on text and that's about it you know uh, so that is really what's happening and of course now podcasts right that's why I got you to do this stuff Sharon because the kind of sharing that happens mm-hmm. through this particular medium for me, it's full circle from those yeah, days yeah, yeah. in the yeah. early late sixties, early seventies when I was doing the radio thing. So, you know, it's a beautiful thing that way, and uh, it's it's graceful. It really is, and allows people to really share. I mean, you're a perfect example of this. I mean, you came, uh, Jared came to me because we he was in the music business and I was in the music business, and he had just gotten out of it. And I wanted somebody to help get this audience, his peeps, his, the millennial generation, because Ram Dass wanted to make this available to a new generation. All of this information, these teachings, of decades of teaching, and Jared had the motivation to do that. He wanted to do it for himself, and then he wanted to accomplish the mission of getting it out there, which I think is a highly developed thing in your generation of wanting to take actions, to change. Whereas with us, it was, like Sharon said, we were terribly unhappy and disturbed young people and didn't know what to do with it. And and so we uh, were led to India, which is, at this point, not necessary because of the... Really, as a large part, because of the net and everything is available to you. But just talk about your own motivation back when I you know, first yeah. met you and, and, uh, and how that was important. And well, talk
3: about purpose, if we get yeah. back to that. No, I, I mean, well, something that you, that you hit on first that, I mean, that's really interesting. The podcasts are really the Wild West, you know, I mean, of, of the internet right now, you know, and it's not even, the net is one thing. It used to be, you know, I'm online this many times a day. Now it's, you're online constantly because you have your phone in your pocket. So most people you know, this podcast comes right through to their phone, they've got it, you know, they they subscribe to it. So when the new podcast comes up, they've automatically got it, they can listen to it anywhere in the world. Then there's these, you know, apps as well off of that, you know, you can learn to do meditation, you've got, you know, guided meditations for three minutes a day or a minute, or it can have music, no music, it can tell you, you know, I've got staff at my office, I mean, I you know, I run an ad agency for purpose-driven uh clients and a lot of myself we've gotten into a daily kind of routine of breathing and meditation in the morning but then throughout the day i hear these alarms going off and people (laughs) are literally reminding themselves to get off their computer for even one minute (laughs) and put it down you know um we're working with uh this this one client that's that's fascinating called digital detox i mean everyone knows the words digital detox but this is like the leader organization this guy levi felix who's just a genius kind of Spokesman for our generation, um, who is saying, you know, technology, computers, phones—they're not going away. They're, they're going to be part of our lives. Let's just learn to have a healthy relationship with them and social media. So, you know, the, the people are talking about having this an actual anxiety that exists now when uh, in checking your phone. That if you don't check your phone every once in a while, you're getting anxiety. Go ahead. It's a
0: phobia. It's a phobia. Yeah, uh, yeah. We went through, and and there's a whole thing about DNA. Uh, you get passed on phobias through your DNA. How about that? <laughs> okay. And one of them yeah. is checking your phone. If you didn't have that phone there, people go nuts when they're suddenly they're... F-
2: that phone's a yeah, little yeah. You're
0: looking at your phone. I can see you're looking at I phone. just got
2: a new iPhone. It's like uh, I barely know how to use it. But uh, yeah. I just got it. You know, yeah, I was over. like... Oh,
3: God. Yeah, so, it it FOMO so FOMO my- is what they're calling it. Fear of missing out. FOMO. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I quote in... Um, my book, Real Happiness, I think I quote this woman, Linda Stone, who called it continuous partial attention. <laughs> the, and she said, she placed that, uh, as fear of missing out, you know, like mm. we're online, we're not doing email and then we think, what about Facebook? And then mm. we do mm. that for a couple of minutes. What about Twitter? You know, and, mm. uh, we just are so afraid of missing anything that we're constantly jumping.
3: Absolutely. And, and, you know, and to get back to, to what else that, that you guys were diving into on kind of um, this generation waking up and, you know, there's a real it's it's um, people want to act, you know, it's a, it's a, it's like the need for a call to action. So this mindfulness work and, and finding a purpose can really wake you up. You know, we we're talking about the inner social action then people want to express that in an outwards capacity and the ability to do that now with how small the world's been made through organizations like Kiva or others, where you literally can, you know, be investing in a tiny business over in India with some, you know, lady who needs an extra sewing loom and then she can triple her capacity. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's unbelievable, you know, your, your ability to impact. So, um, I, and, and when you're asking about, about purpose in particular, and I'll just throw out the, the plug because I thought it was amazing. This nonprofit, Echoing Green, Big nonprofit that's um, where like Teach for America started, and and a lot of other amazing organizations have come out of it. Um, held this this conference this weekend called Purpose 360, where they invited all these leaders in the field of purpose, whether it's in Faith and spirituality or academics, people researching the field of purpose. Like, what is that even? And so, you know, we had to work from some common definition for purpose. And a lot of it's what Sharon was talking about earlier. Um, You know, one was a a part of that definition is um, true to yourself. Another part of that definition was helping the world in some way, uh, you know, applying yourself to the greater good. And one piece that we actually found was kind of missing in the definition was that loving intention, Mm -hmm. because if you don't have the loving intention, then ISIS is a purposeful organization. You know, they've got purpose, but they don't have that loving intention, that kindness. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that starts to round it out for me. um, Mm -hmm. And that's where, where you're seeing this, you know, millennial generation, like there's a real hunger for it. Hmm. I, I
0: i mean we've been really fortunate and i you know i've been fortunate to, in terms of meeting you and others like you who have have this sincere uh, motivation to 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 really become a change and become a change in yourself in ourselves and then become a change in the world and i think that that is uh that's special. And I often, uh, with my friend and partner, David Silver and Mind Rolling, we talk a lot about the similarity that we went through when we came up in the late mm-hmm. 60s and early 70s mm-hmm. and the transformations that happened and the stressors that were happening then are very similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wars and polarization, cultural polarization, rich and poor and all of it are very mm-hmm. similar and mm-hmm. highlighted today. I mean, today is a very tough world to live yeah. in, which I think is part of this real motivation on behalf of millennials to, to really do something mm-hmm. about this. But the fact that they seem way more um, they seem way more able to actually get into the constructs that are necessary to actually be the change that they're looking to be. Whereas we were not quite there, and I mentioned that before, I don't feel that we were quite there in the late '60s and early '70s. It was it was uh, the, the tremendous unhappiness because we've been brought up in this cold, absolutely non-spiritual, uh, quote unquote. We were running from our religions and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I really uh, I feel really great. Uh, promise and, and looking to the future when things really do have to change here or, or there will be some real issues so
3: god bless you boy
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's 33 well, uh, <laughs> what's what's really happening what i'm starting to see in the corporate world that's interesting is as people are doing this work and waking up to it it's um corporations and brands are are forced to become more conscious and more purposeful. Mm-hmm. You hear about this shift from just a bottom line business to a triple bottom line business, you know, caring about people and planet as well. And I think it even goes to this quadruple bottom line, which is like purpose, you mm-hmm. know, meaning, spirituality, that, that businesses are forced to kind of offer both their employees and other stakeholders like their consumers. You know, so this the the um, drive of this new generation to, to be better, you know, people want to be better. They're starting to take the time to figure out how to be better and how to act on that. It's forcing businesses to be better. Mm-hmm. And whenever you want to see, you know, um, who's uh, controlling, uh, let's say society at large in any time in history, it's mm-hmm. whoever's got the tallest buildings. At one point it was the kingdoms, mm-hmm. at another point it was the churches, right now it's the corporations. And you know we're mm-hmm. here in New York City. You look around, you, you know, there, and and so if if you can drive meaning and purpose into those tall buildings and that gets shouted from the ra- the rooftops, we're going to be on a you know going towards a better place. I think I I do think it is a, a bit of a powder keg right now, and that is certainly part of the you know the the brew, if you will, that's kind of like stirring up and and in a good way. I th- I think gonna push all of us to mm. continue to be better. Mm. Yes. And if
0: you take Sharon's meditation challenge as one of the first actions that you do, <laughs> absolutely. That's what we talk about. It all goes back to
3: practice. It really it really does. People need a challenge too. And social media, I mean, use it for good, you know, and that's and it's being used for good. You look at that ice bucket challenge, you know, yes. that, that happened over the last year for ALS. Unbelievable! They raised over $115 million no. off no. of that ice bucket challenge. And it's, it's challenging someone to put ice on themselves. And, uh, and if they don't want to do it, they donate to the organization. Most of the people who dump the ice still donate anyways. And it just generated, you know, massive awareness. Mm-hmm. But I know. Like- As
2: I saw people that I knew doing it, I thought, oh, no.
3: You know, don't challenge me. Don't <laughs> challenge me. You know,
2: like, I spent a lot of years in India taking cold showers. <laughs> 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 that never came to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we're kind of at the end here and but uh, can we ask you since you know it's a terrible rainy sleety ice fest outside here that we're going to go into together <laughs> can we just have a take us to a little couple of minutes sit here Sure, that would be great
2: Well, since we're in New York City, as we sit comfortably, I guess the first thing would be to just listen to sound, since there is some, there's the sound of my voice, for us there's the sound of the traffic. And bring your attention to the feeling of your body sitting, whatever sensations you discover. Bring your attention to your hands. This is an interesting exercise. Like make the shift from the more conceptual level, like, oh, fingers to the world of direct sensation, picking up pulsing, throbbing, pressure, whatever it might be. You don't have to name these things, but feel them. And then bring your attention to the feeling of your breath. Just the normal, natural breath, wherever you feel it most strongly. This is our home. This is where we rest our attention. This is what will go with us to work, to school, wherever we go. Let me just rest. If you find your attention wandering, you get lost in thought or you fall asleep, it's fine. We say the most important moment is the next moment when you realize you've been gone. Gently let go and start over. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sharon. And by the way, just another little announcement it's something you don't know about that there's a lovely new film with you and Ramdas and me moderating called Compassion, Truth, and Adversity from the Compassion and Adversity. Uh, retreat that we did last oh uh, in the spring last, yeah, yeah in the spring we finally put together a uh-huh. s- nice session and uh, it's really lovely and everybody that will be available one week from tomorrow which today is the second third so on February tenth I th- <laughs> uh, hopefully this it'll be available after the tenth as well it's just uh, being released on the tenth and be available to stream so you can take part in that it's a wonderful. Wonderful program with Sharon and Ramdas. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. And Thank you. This is Sharon Salzberg, Meta Hour podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Sharon Salzberg Meta Hour. We really do appreciate your support and hope you will continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash Sharon and clicking on the donate button or by using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Namaste.